All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the KP and the Kid podcast. I am, of course, KP. And with me is my co-host, Nate, a.k.a. the Kid, a.k.a. Big Papa Pump, who is back after missing the last episode. How are you doing today, Nate? I'm doing pretty good. I'm uh, I'm recovering from my uh, injury of trolling. Uh, it's, you know, I need a, a decent amount of recovery. It's a pretty gruesome injury, but uh, I'm back. Good to hear. Now, we have two guests joining us today, the same two guests we had in the previous episode. Uh, they are Vince, our good friend Vince. And Yo, what's up? How are you doing today, Vince? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on again. Sorry for interrupting your intro. <laughs> and no problem, man. Love to have you back. And um, also back with us today is our friend JR from the Bruins Talk podcast. How are you doing today, JR? Pretty good, man. Uh, it's been a little bit of a stale past couple weeks because Bruins had a COVID issue, so they've only played three games in the last 21 days. So Really? Wow. Yeah. What was going on there? Just COVID? Uh, COVID protocol, COVID list, a lot of players had the false, uh, false positives, had to test them, had to bring them back from New York, then a whole bunch of other stuff had to happen, then another breakout, was, wasn't even a breakout happened, but... Uh, Basically, it's safe to say is I've been a depressed hockey fan lately. <laughs> All right. Well, in this episode, uh, the four of us will be discussing the New England Patriots' most recent signings and who we think or who, who we would like to see them target in this year's draft. Now, um, entering this offseason, the biggest needs that the Pats had, at least, at least on offense, were a quarterback, tight end, wide receiver, and who they were keeping or letting go of on the offensive line. But the quarterback need on offense was the most important. Now, the Pats, they ended up signing Cam Newton, like we discussed last episode. Um, Last year, with Cam Newton at quarterback, they averaged 180 passing yards per game, which ranked 30th in the NFL. It was way less than pedestrian. They were also 30th in interception percentage and... 27th in both total yards and points scored. The Pats scored 20.3 points per game last year. Now, despite being 27th, that 20.3 number, uh, it wasn't too bad. Uh, For the last 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, the average number has been uh, 21 points per game. So what I mean by that number not being too bad, it means... It isn't fixable or unfixable, I should say, uh, but it isn't great either. So looking at the advanced metrics, the Patriots offense was 21st in EPA per play, 23rd in total DVOA, 27th in pass DVOA, 3rd in rush EPA per play, and 8th in rush DVOA. So while the Pats had a questionable yet fixable offense, they had a good and arguably even great rushing attack. Now the Pats, they they took care of their quarterback issue by bringing back Cam Newton. Now, when the Cam suit Newton signing happened last week, a big takeaway that people had, including uh, JR and Vince last podcast um, and me was that uh, it would affect free agent signings, that it would attract free agents or at least give free agents comfort that the Pats had somewhat, somewhat reputable quarterback play. After all, Cam was a former MVP. Um, so what do you guys think about that thought? Do you think that um, 
the cam signing brought back the free the uh, the offensive signings that they had, or was just was just partly I, responsible for it. I personally do, uh, okay. because you know guys that we brought back like Hunter Henry and you know Johnu Smith uh, Aguilar. I shouldn't say brought back, but you know guys we signed. You know and born. Um, I think I think it does help that Cam was there because it's you know those guys aren't viewing Cam from an analytical standpoint or a statistical standpoint like um, you know like we are. They're viewing him as oh that that's Cam Newton, that's an NFL MVP. You know he went to a Super Bowl. Right. Um. So I, I definitely and, and one thing I will say about Cam is like. I, I love Cam as like a person. I think he's also like a great teammate and a great leader. And like that definitely shows because I haven't heard anybody say bad things about him. And it seems like a lot of the Patriots like him. It seems like Belichick right. likes him too. They all love him, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do think that had something to do with um, the crazy signings. Um, that now, this doesn't, just because we have Cam doesn't mean we still might not address the quarterback situation i think people a lot of patriots fans are kind of uh you know writing off that we take a quarterback um or possibly trade for jimmy g you know that's getting into something else the 49ers say they don't want to trade him but i i think i don't believe that and i don't know that a lot of other teams or a lot of other guys around the league believe that um so yeah like personally i'd like to see them take someone at 15 or trade up um, or trade for Jimmy G though. That's my personal uh, opinion on the matter. All right. Uh, Vince, we'll go, we'll go to you. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, personally, I think that, um, that it did have a part to play, but at the end of the day, I think it was the money because let's right. think about it. We always get on Belichick for being like, or I should say not us specifically, but some Pat fans and even the media are just like, Belichick doesn't pay anybody. Well, guess what? He paid everybody to come here. Yeah. You can say that he overpaid everybody to come here. Now, I think you have to overpay to get good players, especially when you're not a championship team, which I don't think we are as currently constructed. But he went out there and he used the money that we have because there's no use in saving cap space. So I think Cam had to play a part. Because, like, yeah, some people still want to know who's throwing the ball. And Cam does have a good reputation. But I think it was the money more than anything. The fact that they got two high-level tight ends to to play, and that was not, like, penny-pitching money. They did not come for, like, small money. They got good deals. So I think it was mostly that. I also think it was Belichick, too. Like, I think it was kind of a combination of Newton, the money, and Belichick. Like, that sounds pretty enticing to play for. Money and the reputation. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. I mean, Belichick's got the reputation as the greatest, or one of the greatest head coaches of all time. But we know that's not true. Bella Fraud, he'd be (laughs) out. (laughs) It it did feel like he was more vocal, though. Like, I don't know if y'all got that impression, but I felt like a lot of people, a lot of players, and maybe even some people in the media, I felt like he's like, talk to the players just like oh you're going to be used in this role we really want you to come here and like that's really weird to think about because we don't really see him as like quote-unquote I guess like a player coach like you would maybe a a Andy Reid or something like that because of his his voice and his demeanor but he really seemed like he made an effort to make sure that they got people in the building that that he wanted 
So yeah, yeah that, that buy into his his programmer system or the whatever. The Patriot way, which yeah. is so. Uh, how many how many of you guys have seen the show Taboo? Oh, well, with us here today, joining <laughs> us on the podcast. Oh, it's LB. <laughs> it's it's I our friend. I heard, LB. I heard what Vince said, and I started oh. thinking of the show Taboo because, of, you know, I, Tom Hardy plays this guy. He's really cool, and he always, like, looks at people, and he says, I have a use for you. And that's basically just Bill Belichick. Like, he's just looking at players and just like, hey, I have a use for you. And he really is good at doing that, though, in all, in all seriousness. Yeah, he really is. He's the best. Arguably, that's, to me, that's his best trait. He looks at people, and he goes... All right, I'm going to put you in the, the best decision. And Lord knows that we need that. We just need a player in the building. And, and at least for that, I'm really happy about the offseason just based off that. We can argue semantics and, and, and payments and all that, which we are. But the fact that I feel like we just have better players in the building is really happy. I don't know if you guys have seen Cleveland 95, but there's this great part where it's Bill sitting there talking with another guy, I think – it might have been Michael Lombardi, actually. Um, they're having a sit-down. They're just team. doing a meeting. Yep, there was a ton of guys on that team. Saban and others. And he, he's Yeah, there was a bunch <laughs> of them. Man. Who, was, who was some of these other Schwartz, right? Is it, was that his Schwartz, name? The, Jim Schwartz, the uh, defensive there. coordinator. So he's, he's talking to Lombardi. Coach. He asks Lombardi for his evaluation on a player. And basically, Lombardi just like craps all over the player and just says all these bad things and... Belichick looks at him and he says, you know, that's your typical player evaluation. You're going to tell me all the things he can't do. And the only things I really want to know is, is the things that he can do right. so we can use for him. And he's actually really been great on great at that. And th he's been great at finding gems over the years too. guys like Dion Lewis, who was a futures contract in like December of 2013 or 2014, whatever it was, probably 2014. And the next year he's playing great. He gets hurt. And all these other guys like Welker and, when I think of Bourne, who you guys mentioned, I can't help but think of Welker, who really had had never had that crazy production or anything until he got to New England. And of course, oh, yeah. a huge part of that's Tom Brady. Yeah, you know, he was a special teams he was, player. Uh, he was a great Miami. special teams player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he special. even kicked. Yeah. He, he broke records. Extra I think. point, I believe. Maybe yeah. even a the weird goal thing he is, uh, Yeah, he was kicking some extra points. Is <laughs> Bourne actually has more catches, more yards, more touchdowns, and all those things than Welker had when he got to New England? So it's. It's obviously different because Tom Brady's not here anymore. I mean, that's right. obvious. So who knows yeah. how some it, – it's harder, I think, that you guys would probably agree to find where some of these wide receivers fit and all these – some of these even the two tight end sets, they looked great, right? Like, we loved them, but, you know, yeah. there is no Tom Brady. So it'll be interesting to see how some of these guys fit and how they do find uses for them. Right. And Belichick must have really liked Bourne because uh, I saw the report that we tried to trade for him two other times when he was on – the Niners. Wow. So we must have he's trying to get uh, uh, Jimmy G's guy. <laughs> yeah, he's trying yeah. to entice Jimmy G. <laughs> he's enticing him with Kendrick Bourne. Yeah. And you were unaware. You know, you know what though? I I actually have a uh, oh Jr. Come in this to speak too, bro. You sit on the sideline, but like I have yeah. a lot. I actually <laughs> LB have really came in out of nowhere. I was like, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I have really. Yeah, good I was like, I apologize. Oh, it's all right. That's oh, all good. We're glad you're here. The more the merrier, you know. Yeah, exactly. I love hearing Vince on these podcasts now too. I know it's not his first time anymore, so it's it's really cool. How's uh, how's everything? How you feeling about it, Vince? You having fun? Oh, of course, bro. Y'all are like my favorite past people to talk to, so I got all the <laughs> so great. And I'm just That's like ruining the entire conversation. Now, I apologize now, for those who don't know. LB is one of the co-hosts of the Title Talk podcast. 
Um, he, he, him and uh, Bryson uh, host talk about all, all Patriots news, all uh, NFL news. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about it, LB? Tell the well, listeners about yeah, the you know, talk. I think we, we were talking about Miami the other day. We touched on some of the signings. I think, you know, it's, it's always fun to just jump on podcasts, especially <laughs> you guys. I think you guys are really good at what you do. Um, I appreciate it. I just, I just like to, you know, talk sometimes. And then sometimes I have to remind myself to, you know, slow down a little bit and, you yeah. know, listen to, you know, but it's always fun to jump on a podcast. Again, I'm sorry I'm late. I was laying there and I kept falling asleep for some yeah, reason. I hear then, you. No worries, man. Yeah. So I was like, you we know what? I'm just to like about, jump in. <laughs> we decided to talk about uh, uh, the path signings and who we want to see them target in the draft. That's what we're going to be talking about today. How are you guys feeling about that? Who do you want? I mean, I'm still thinking the best. It seems very unlikely at this point that they're going to get a court, get the quarterback they want. Yeah, I, I think that's yeah, that's why uh, the Jimmy G talk. Yeah, the Jimmy G talks happening. They want I don't buy that the Niners don't want to get rid of or don't want to trade him. I just don't buy it. I 50 50 buy it because, as we all know, uh, Shanahan's system is all everybody's always better in year two. So, I uh, and also, like, you know, if you don't believe in Jimmy's durability anyway, at some point the rookie's gonna play because he'll get hurt. So, like, I 50 50 buy it, but I think I think they're just so they can drive up the price. Like, they are trying to, if they can, finesse a first-round pick out of somebody. They're not going to, but they're trying. Because it's like, you know, sometimes NFL teams get desperate. Remember a couple years ago when, like, Sam Bradford got a first-round pick and everybody, I'm like, what are you trading a first-round pick for Sam Bradford for? Like, what are you doing? Teams get desperate. So I think they're just going to try to sit and hold on and see if they can get something. Hey, you never even know if the Patriots could be the team to get desperate. I mean, up until probably they never felt like a desperation team, but we did see them go out and get Josh Gordon, which people felt at the time was kind of a desperation move. We saw them trade a second round pick from Mohamed Sanu, which right. was it felt like an overpay at the time. And then it certainly worked. No, out it, was, yeah, okay. it was an overpay. Um, uh, there's not too many Patriots trades that I can remember that are worse than that. <laughs> Especially you know, since I feel like a lot of us thought Sanders was better. If we were going to do that. If Bill's sitting there saying to himself, I only have so many more years left. I only want to do this two, three, four more years. I just watched Tom Brady get a Super Bowl ring. And, you know... It, whether I know some people think that's not a factor and all that, but I, I think it's only human that it would be. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Bill Belichick has a massive ego. Some people don't like to hear it, but I'm sorry. It's true. So things yep. like that will be a motivate, And it should be a motivating factor. I, I've heard people say, oh, well, this is a desperation thing from the Patriots. It's like, isn't winning always kind of a desperation thing? Aren't you well, always? Also the, well, the fact that Jimmy's been here too, like he drafted Jimmy. So it's not like yeah. it's not a guy he doesn't know. He loves Jimmy, and Jimmy has been good. I'm, I'm going to let KP and Nate speak on a little bit better, but Jimmy's good. Everybody keeps acting like Jimmy's Mitch Trubisky. Jimmy's he's good. He's, he's great. Oh, he's very good with flashes of greatness, I should say. And um, I, uh, I kind of think that um, we kind of rag on Belichick a little bit. Some of, some of it's definitely joking, and some of it's definitely some truth to it. But, like, I believe that, McDaniels and Belichick, I, I believe that he would be better with them than than Shanahan. Like I just believe that they drafted him. That was that was Belichick's guy. Um, 
So, like, I think him coming back to New England again would be, like, good for his career. Um, you know, I mean, it was very... It was a very short stint. It was, what, like six quarters of football he played. I mean, he won that Cardinals game, and then yep. he got hurt in the third quarter or second quarter of the Dolphins game. But, like... They were up big. He, they were, they, he looked really good in those games. Great. Um, I mean, now, I'm not going to say... Like Jimmy's top ten, I would I would put him personally around like eleven to thirteen. Probably. Yeah, that's where I'd put him. Eleven, yeah, right around there. Um, but to be honest, that's that's better than Cam, and that's better significantly than what Cam's better. Been. Yeah, that's significantly better, than better. What Cam has been. I mean, I know like people like he's like a fan favorite and all to a lot of people, which I, I understand. Like he, he, he's like a cool dude. He's like a cool quarterback. He's like a good locker room dude and his teammates love him. Um, and, and all that stuff. But I, I still like, don't think that he's like the answer at all. I think this is gotta be his last year in new England. Personally. Right. So Jr., are you still there? Jr.? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Um, <laughs> So if you were a wide receiver or a tight end, would you have gone to the Patriots because of the uh, all the money they had or because they re-signed Cam Newton? Back to the uh, I, original topic. I would have gone I would have gone for Bill Belichick and the money. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I like Cam. I mean, I don't like him as a quarterback really because I mean, he's washed, but <laughs> the chances to be able to play for Bill Belichick and the chances to compete for a championship, hopefully in the future again, it outweighs every other option I would have had. Right. Now, if it were up to me, if I were a wide receiver or a tight end, I think I would have been a little hesitant to go to New England unless I was getting paid. Cam, Cam was <laughs> terrible last year, after all, and that's pretty much – that's kind of pretty much what happened this offseason. The players – the players – that the Pats signed, signed not because they got paid. They signed because they got paid, not because of Cam. Now, I mentioned that Cam was terrible last year. And let me explain why. Last year, 2020, Cam was almost, or at least one, standard deviation below league average in most era-adjusted passing efficiency statistics. Now, if you've ever listened to our previous episodes you would hear me and Nate talk about these error-adjusted stats all the time. They're much more simplistic and easy to understand than basic efficiency stats that you might see on a everyday basis, like raw pass or rating or raw adjusted net yards per attempt or raw completion percentage. And when I say raw, I mean not error-adjusted. Uh, these stats can be found in the adjusted section of any quarterback's page on Pro Football Reference, so they're pretty easy to find. Anyway, when it comes to these stats, the league average is 100. Anything between 100 and 105 is above average. Anything between 195 is below average. Anything between 105 and 110 is solid, well above average, or good. And anything between 95 and 90 is poor, uh, well below average, or bad. So on and so forth. It's pretty simple. Now, in 2020, last year, Cam had a rate plus, an error-adjusted passer rating, of 88, which is really bad. He had an adjusted net yards per attempt plus of 89, also really bad. The only efficiency or basic impact statistics that Cam was average or positive in were yards per attempt and completion percentage, 
which were 100 and 106 respectively. So basically, relative to league average, the only basic area or passing area that Cam was good in last year was completion percentage. And when you get into the high-end advanced statistics that measure player impact and value, not just the ever-adjusted efficiency statistics or the uh, basic impact or basic performance statistics, Cam was also terrible in those. Like, in the stats that measure impact and performance, uh, in the advanced impact and efficiency stats, like total QBR, EPA per play, Cam was 30th in total QBR, which is which and it, he was 47.0, 50s 50s average in that stat. Uh, his EPA per play was 25th, was at 0.063. Now 0.00 is considered average, and 0.100 is considered uh, above average. So he was somewhere between average and above average in EPA per play last year. And both of these statistics, EPA per play and total QBR, factor in rushing. So he was below average in QBR and somewhere between average and above average in EPA per play. In the value statistics or or just in DVOA, which from Pro Football, um, Pro Football Focus uh, has a stat that evaluates quarterbacks relative to league average. Cam was 31st in pass DVOA and thir- 23rd in rush DVOA. In the value statistics, Cam was 31st in pass DYAR, 25th in total EPA, and he and in terms of rushing, he was 13th in rush DYAR and fifth in rush EPA. Uh, pro Football Focus they had him graded at 70.9, which is above average. If you were to give it an actual grade A through F, it translates or converts to a C plus or B minus based on the way that PFF seems to scale. Now the Pats re-signing Cam, in my opinion despite his terrible play last year is them basically admitting that they need to surround him with better pass catchers, which they did. So there's pretty much no excuses for him this year. Now, where would you guys like to begin the tight ends or the receivers that they signed? Tight ends. Tight ends. Yeah. All right. So, no, I actually got an interesting, uh, an interesting stat here. Uh, Okay, go ahead. It's about how much money we spent. Uh, so Robert Kraft bought the Patriots in 1994. He paid $172 million, which is, at the time was the highest price for a professional football team. Um, now, accounting for – this is – so this isn't even accounting for everyone. Accounting for 16 of the Patriots' 19 signings and re-signings, they have guaranteed about $162.5 million. This does not include Ted Karras, Raekwon McMillan, or uh, Montrevious Adams. That's and I don't crazy. believe it also accounts for the Trent Brown trade. So the, the amount of money we have guaranteed is about equal to what Robert Kraft That's actually bought the team for, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, that's absolutely insane because I know a lot of people will probably think, too, that, like, oh, they paid a bunch of money for, like, a bunch of, like, mediocre to above average players. But we've already seen what Belichick can do with those type of things. Because, like, and it was just, like, you need talent in the room. Like, I keep beating that point home. But, like, one thing that I feel like is underrated that I want to speak on real quick is that one reason I feel like a lot of people are coming here with the tight end, especially, so we're talking about tight ends right now, Janu and uh, Henry, is um, opportunity. 
who is getting in the way of these players to 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 get playing time and to get their stats? Nobody. Like, honestly, Dalton exactly. Keen. I mean, that's right there. That Dalton Keen. I mean, he's he's getting in the way. Same with Devin Asiasi. <laughs> like, are we sure Hunter Henry and Jonu will even start? Right? Like, no way. There's Come on, man, no to go, ways. Devin Asiasi, bro. I, I can't believe you guys didn't even say Matt Lacoste. Uh, that was oh, just man. Uh, <laughs> a, yeah, you're right. Game, he's a game changer, man. Oh, my he's goodness. A, there was uh, that Pat West thing. He was working out, and, like, everybody kind of just you, – you usually can't tell a lot about players from those, right? I mean, of course you can't. And you you could tell he just sucks. Like, he's just <laughs> his, the his, absolute worst. His player. footwork is so oh, bad. Oh, yeah. That, that was know? really slow. I mean, that looked like – I mean – not to be rude or anything, that that looks like LB out there. I mean, yeah. he's washed now. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm, man, I'm a legend. <laughs> I mean, this isn't prime LB anymore. He's past his prime. Yeah, I and mean, you know what? Even I was. Like, yes. were, there, were they supposed to be professional football? Because that looks like our bunch of dads and uncles were out there trying to pull the football and run routes. It was terrible. Oh, that man. video of the stand up overthrow. Yep. <laughs> oh, no. That was him failing that, that pass. I almost I took up. the L on that a long time ago. He sucks. I'm Still over that. Yeah. yeah, I'm over the stand up. But listen, like, here's the thing, right? Like, the fact that we were counting so much on a four string quarterback and the moment that he didn't start. When Cam was out with COVID and they let Hoyer start, I was done. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like, Hoyer starting over him. Yeah. We have sense. like seven, eight years experience of seeing Hoyer start. Like, nah, I was off. Now, um, yeah, tight end was essentially the second biggest offensive position that the Pats had to address this offseason, and they really went just all out. Yeah. No ma- like, no matter what metrics you want to look at. The Pats have had the NFL's lowest cat pass catching production from tight end over the last two years. Oh, Not just maybe even the last three years. Um, awesome. And, sen- and Honestly, since Pats- you don't even need the stats for that. That's right. how bad they've been. I know they you know you, you just know they suck. Um, now the Pats <laughs> they run an Earhart Perkins offense, which traditionally utilizes tight ends quite a bit. Um, so taking care of that position this offseason seemed like a smart move, especially with so many question marks at quarterback and especially with the run game and O-line that they have, both of which are pretty elite, in my opinion. Um, So being able to utilize play action should have been, and I think was, the Patriots' number one priority this offseason. And it's the bread and, because it's the bread and butter of any Earhart Perkins offense, which is traditionally opponent-based and run-heavy, being able to you know, use that play action like they did in the early 2000s and the early part of this decade or the last decade with uh, Gronk and Hernandez is really something they they need to to give them that next to take them to that next level. Um, what do you guys think about the uh, Johnu Smith signing in particular? Elite. Yeah. I think he's just an incredible fit. I remember I used to watch him play in Tennessee, and I used to think, man, he, this this guy reminds me of a larger version of Aaron Hernandez, but he's not used as much. Um, right. Now, of course, it's never a great comparison because Hernandez was a special player, and people yes. immediately think of the, the negatives, right? And but But, you know, Tennessee would use him in the backfield. Tennessee would use him in all these different places. And, of course, in Tennessee, he was playing with Mike Rabel and – you know, I think that Bill must have felt that there's some sort of connection there, and he knows that he can use him more 
some of those places probably more than you saw him doing certain things in Tennessee. Hunter Henry feels more to me like he's supposed to be your quote-unquote Gronk. Uh, obviously, he's not Gronk. Nobody is. Nobody ever probably will be. But I'd say he'd, he'd have to be your more traditional inline tight end where you're going to use Smith a little bit more all over the place. Yeah. And it's funny. You, you were talking about all those advanced stats a little bit ago, and I wanted to jump in. So sure. I'm just going to say it real quick. Um, it's funny when you can look at a guy's stats, just the casual stats, and you can Google them, and you can just be like, oh, wow, this is just absolute crap. Yep. Because yeah. we all laugh, right? Like touchdown INT ratio, right? It's not a great way to gauge football play. Quarterback rating, not – we've moved so far beyond all of those those casual stats. Because, you know, you could look at 2015 Blake Bortles. He had 36 touchdown passes, 4,400 yards, but you knew he wasn't very good. Or right. – Mitch Trubisky, like a few years ago, he has that 96 passer rating because, and at that point you're thinking, what is a 96 passer rating anymore? You know, it's Tom Brady had like a 96 that year and you're you're just, you, you, it's gets harder to gauge, but then you look at 2020 Cam Newton and you see an 82 passer rating and eight touchdowns and 10 interceptions in 15 games. And you just don't even need to get any more advanced than that. And just know this guy absolutely sucks. But (laughs) I will say, you know, the tight ends are going to be huge. If Cam does wind up being the guy, he really needs to make this work because at this point, you know, a lot of people didn't even know if he was ever going to play again after how bad, after how things went last year. If he does get one more shot to do this, he, you know, he needs to make it work. He really does. The, the excuses aren't there for him anymore. Yep. God, chill with the social media, man. I'm telling you. I, I, I think the baseline up for, um, to with the adding of these players because of like the fact that like we drafted two titans in the third round and like neither of them did anything is really bad but here's the thing right when you have more talent on the team like it leaves more room for error like cam can make a a bad pass and like hunter here might make an incredible catch and that's something that we didn't really have last year with with basically anybody on our team it's like Cam wasn't very good, but he also didn't have room to throw, like, a bad pass. Like, he had to throw perfect passes. And we saw that with Tom Brady, too, in 2019. He was throw like, what did he have some, I don't remember this stat, but he had, like, the most tight window throws in 2019. It's like, that looks good and sounds good at the same time, but that also tells you that nobody's getting open. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you're forcing, basically, got to throw into a tight window or make a perfect decision every time. Like, and the fact that now that we have two guys, and I've said our red zone offense been bad for, like, four years now, at least three. So the fact that we got guys who can at least if nothing else have a baseline of performance, I think it's good. I expect between 40 to 50 catches per both of them, to be honest. And I'm yeah. hoping for eight to 900 yards from both of them. Yeah, I think pairing Hunter Henry with Jonu Smith is Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels going back to the two tight end package that had a lot of success over the last 20 years. First with Daniel Graham, uh, Christian Fourier, Benjamin Watson in the early mid 2000s, and then later with Gronk, Hernandez, and even Martellus Bennett in the early 2000s and in 2016. Yeah, they kept now, trying there too. Don't forget, you yeah. know they they even brought Scott Chandler in from Buffalo. He was a Patriot yeah. killer. They they really had high hopes that would work. I think at one point they had high hopes that Tim Wright would work for them when they traded Logan Mankins, you know, to Tampa Bay for Tim Wright. And Tim Wright, looking back on his stats now, if we were able to get, I think they got like 500 yards, uh, eight touchdowns, something like that. I thought he was good. I I was so, I still tried to work. I didn't. Me too. I I was, 
I was always a little surprised by that too. That it was only one year thing. I did hear a rumor. I don't know if I should say it or not, that it was off field stuff with him and you know, nothing oh, okay. good, but it's supposedly okay. it was something to do with drugs. That's what people have told me. I don't know if they were messing with me or something, but it would kind of explain why things didn't work because he really didn't look bad in 2014. Yeah. Now, we didn't even have that. We didn't have no, nothing close to that baseline of, of, of excellent. At least we know these two guys can, anybody who can, John Smith, like if for people who are listening to the podcast that don't know, John Smith, took a tight end screen to the house just to give you, uh, you know, an inkling of how athletic that guy is. Like any tight end that could take a screen to the house is a guy I want on my football team. It's some The guy just looks good too. He's, he's built like a brick shit house and he just, he looks, he, he's a physically imposing looking guy, but then he can move too. He's an impressive athlete. He sure is. Now, um, According to Adam Schefter and Mike Reese, front office personnel around the NFL considered Johnu Smith to be the better overall, the better all-around tight end compared to Henry, and Henry is the more prolific pass catcher. Now, what do you guys think about that? Are the is the front office personnel wrong, or are they right when it comes to those two guys? Uh, it's interesting you say that too. Oh, I don't know if you guys. I don't know if you guys read this, but apparently the Patriots are splitting up the duties of who's talking to players, doing the contracts, signing the contracts. Oh, it was no. Matt yeah. Patricia and I think three other guys, and they're dividing the duties. Whatever they did this offseason, it's clearly worked, right? Mm-hmm. But it is an interesting. For some reason in my head, Jonu Smith feels like a better fit for the Patriots offense if we're expecting to see what we've seen in the past. Again, with no Tom Brady, it's a little bit harder to gauge. Hunter Henry has been more productive, without a doubt. Uh, he's certainly the more probably well-known name, I think. But which one do I think would be better? That It really is a great question, KP. I, I, it's interesting that, that they feel that way about Smith. They think Smith is the better player. It's hard to say. For some reason, I think Smith, because he kind of does a little bit more of everything. But right. I could be totally wrong because... Bill loves Hunter Henry, too. He absolutely raves about the guy, loves him. He's been following him since high school. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, accept, if they expect the same level of production from both. And what do you think, JR? I think John o. Smith is the most versatile quarterback in the league. Tight end. Um, I mean, tight end. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, we've got a quarterback? Let's go! I'm Let's go! We move it! He might be playing quarterback at this rate. He could. could. Wait, I think I think we should take a bet. I would bet that he throws at least one pass this season. (laughs) You know what? I think he will. I think he'll throw a touchdown to our other glorified tight end. I don't. I don't. Oh (laughs) my god! Maybe the pass just have a quarterback committee this year, and they have all the receivers and tight ends who can throw just a trick play every every other play. (laughs) All right. So yeah. So my my Daniels would love that. Actually, sorry about my dead brain. So, okay, so I think right. Johnny Smith is the more versatile tight end okay. in the league. But I think Hunter Henry is going to – I think we're going to see a lot of production from both. But I'm going to be honest. I think uh, Hunter Henry is going to probably end up with more touchdowns, hopefully, if Cam can get him the ball. But I think Johnny Smith, you'll see just, like, a lot more production out of, like, coming out of the backfield, you know, the seam routes, everything like that. But I think Hunter Henry, more along the lines, is probably going to have better – I'd say probably more touchdowns, but I think Johnny Smith will have better stats. All right. 
And um, what about you, Nate? Who do you think is going to be better this year between the two? Um, I, I would say that Hunter Henry will probably have more touchdowns. I feel like um, I feel like he just seems like the better red zone guy. I do not have the statistics to back that up. That is just going okay. off what off your opinion. Yep. That is what I would. Uh, you know, that's what I'm getting from it all. I think. Okay. I think uh, Smith is more of like the a finesse, you know, a finesse type player, um, who who's got like that speed. Um, he's 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 faster than Henry, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Way, yeah. Fa- way faster. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, he's a lot faster. Had, had, I think I Henry's mean, Henry, at the end. Henry, so Henry's not Gronk, but he's that like big body. S- yeah, that's like sort of stereotypical, like bigger tight end, um, bigger bodied. And I think um, I think they complement each other really well. Like yeah. this really like feels like Hernandez Gronk. Uh, this could go really great as long as one of them doesn't kill someone or multiple people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. I think they're going to be even even with borderline, you know, pedestrian QB play like. I went and watched some Hunter Henry uh, film a little bit. He kind of reminds me of like, um, and I don't want to be like too sacrilegious because it's one of the best tight ends ever played. But Jason Witten, he kind of reminds That's me what of that. He, he, he sits in zones. He knows what he's doing. Like he's just a good football player. Like he knows where he's going. We can depend on him to be in the right spot, make some contested catches. I agree that I think that um, Hunter Henry will have more catches probably and more touchdowns, but I feel like, Johnny will be more important. He's a more impactful player. Because, like, one thing that I will say about our offense, because we'll talk about the wide receivers soon, that I feel like you have, you can't look at our offense like a prototypical offense. Like, you, you're going to have to decide, do you want to put your cornerback one on our on our tight end, on one of our tight ends? That's I a like good that question. Comparison. Jason Witten, I like that comparison. That's a That's good one. That's who he says he models his game after, him and Tony Gonzalez. Yeah. Oh man, I saw Tony Gonzalez. This this is old, you know. This because I'm an old man, of course. You know, as, <laughs> as I believe, as believe, uh, you know, Nate mentioned, I, I am a washed old man now. So, but I actually had the opportunity to see Tony Gonzalez play in person Monday Night Football, either '98 or '99. I bet you KP could find it. It might have been '99. And uh, oh my, just watching him work out before the game just looked incredible. Like, like I said about Pat's West, where, like, one guy stood out and looked like crap. But, like, you see Tony Gonzalez before the game on the field doing footwork drills, just working out, and you're like, oh, my God, this guy is just special. And you could just tell then he was going to be incredible. And, oh, my God. I mean, if – I don't think Henry's as tall. It wasn't Gonzalez about 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. What is Henry? He looks more closer to 6'3". He's like 6'4". Is he really? He might be 6'3", but I think he's 6'4". So Henry actually is six five. At least he's listed at six five on Pro Football Reference because I was pulling up his, yeah, yeah, yeah. his numbers and well number he uh, six, here, he's six six six. So yeah, I think that you think that Chiefs game you're talking about LB's from ninety nine. Yeah, well, I was actually get, at that game, man. It was cool. Yeah, and um, it was very cool. Let's see, uh, yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm looking at. Um, Oh, my bad. I'll, I'll say I uh, right. looked at his yards per catch real quick. His longest receiving, like, catch is 59 yards, and the average is, like, 13.3, 12.9, 11.9. Like, that guy, like, basically, like I said, I just kind of expect him to be, like, a first down, to, like, run to the sticks 
sit down in the zone and just catch the football. And there's just something to that. We need more. He's a chain mover. Yeah. Now, while we're on this, I do want to say very quickly, I'm a very big fan. As KP touched on, as we just both, as KP touched on, and then I kind of allude, added on to it, the right Chandler thing. I'm a huge fan of having two tight ends because I have, you know, as Nate just used this expression a few minutes ago, I have no statistical analysis to back this up. It's just based on like my own brain, I guess, but it feels like tight ends get hurt more, maybe not seriously, but a lot of them seem to miss two, three games in that range a year. Hunter Henry has played in 16 games, I believe once in his career, he's missed an entire season. I think he's played in 14 just about every other year. And I think it's always a good idea to have two tight ends. So he's never played. Idea. He's never played, played, never played 16 games. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think and the most he's played is 15. He played 15 on ACAC yet. I'm not totally because re- you never know if you're going to need ACAC to step up next year in a pinch for two, three game stretch. You're going to want that third tight end because we used to see what the offense looked like when you would lose one of those guys and you didn't have right. a capable guy to fill in. It doesn't look the same. So no. I still really am hoping that ACAC can uh, take a step up too. I, I, think I actually think he will. At this point. I, I think I, I, I like uh, Asiasi. I think uh, I think like rookie tight ends don't really uh, aren't always used a lot. I think it takes like a bit of time to get adjusted. Like yeah, even Gronk and Hernandez weren't that spectacular yeah, like, rookie year. Like just for an example, TJ Hawkinson with the Lions, he, he's a really he's a good tight end, um, and he yeah. didn't do very much with the Lions his rookie year, and he's kind of broken out since um, to be one of the better tight ends in the league. Uh, so I, I have confidence that Asiasi will be a little better give like during his opportunities this year, which will very likely be limited opportunities with Smith and, uh, uh, you know, Henry. Yeah. But I, I would definitely be comfortable having Henry and Asiasi or, um, Smith and Asiasi for, you know, a couple games while one of the other guys is out with a, an injury or something like that. Like, I feel like he's able to fill that role. I mean, absolutely. I think uh, that picture that we were floating around forever ago of Asiasi completely wide open in that Raiders game, and, and we were joking about how he oh, could man. have been more wide open, and Cam just was like, "No, you're too wide open," or whatever. You know, I mean, the guy <laughs> could have the guy could have eaten a bag of chips out there. <laughs> he could have sat down, caught the ball, got up, and ran for a touchdown or something. But, I, I I cannot wait for that to be Hunter Henry this year, guys. Yeah, I am oh, just so excited. God. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm hyped Hunter Henry, man. I don't Same think here. JR got the joke, but uh, yeah. it's, it's okay. So anyway, you guys were talking about, so we were, oh yeah, we were talking about the, uh, who would have a better year or who's been better. In 2020, Johnu Smith finished uh, 14th in DYAR, 18th in DVOA, and posted a PFF grade of 75.2, which is good. He's been improving every year in these stats and has a lot of potential, in my opinion. Uh, in 2020, Henry, coming off a top two season of his career, based on traditional stats, uh, finished 25th in DYAR, 26th in DVOA, and posted a PFF grade of 69.3, which is somewhere between average and above average, leaning more towards above average. Uh, so yeah, Janu has definitely been better than Henry and has more potential, which can be a good and bad thing. Um, I'm going to delve into what makes these guys risky signings. Um, the contract in Smith's case is a significant investment that makes him one of the highest pay tight ends in the NFL. 
his career production doesn't really warrant that. Now, last year's production does, um, and his potential does, but it's always risky paying guys based on recency or potential, uh, let alone both. Henry, on the other mm-hmm. hand, his injury history, which goes back to his time playing in Arkansas, um, he's never played a 16-game season in his first five years in the NFL. However, he has played double-digit games in four of those seasons. Um, that being said, his advanced analytics and the dip in his production last year, despite being healthier and despite having significantly better quarterback play in Justin Herbert, gives me some concerns about what he can do this year and what he can do going forward. But Bill seems to like him, and I think he'll be a great compliment to Jonu. Now, uh, let's move on to wide receiver. Now, wide receiver, like tight end, was also a position that the Pats have struggled with over the last two years, maybe even the last three years, although they did see significant improvements from Jacoby Myers, and although they got a lot out of the 2020 Jameer Bird signing, the Pats receiving core, especially Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry, left a lot to be desired. Whose mic is that? Not me. No, it's not me. Okay. I would well, um, too. Okay. So to improve their receiving this year, the Pats added two wide receivers, Nelson Aguilar, a fast and explosive wide receiver who they signed to a two-year, $26 million deal after a breakout year in Oakland, and Kendrick Bourne, another fast and explosive wide receiver who they signed to a three-year, $22.5 million deal, and who is entering his, uh, his prime, so to speak. Now, what do you guys? What are your guys' thoughts on these two signings, uh, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne? We'll start with you, Nate. Yeah, all right. I'm uh, I'm excited for the Aguilar signing. Uh, I think a lot of people were like, it, like I feel like Nelson Aguilar kind of has like a negative connotation like involved with his name because of his time with the Eagles, um, and he's kind of known for some bad drops. Um, but he he was really good last year. Uh, I mean, he was 10th in DYAR uh, ahead of, I mean, Godwin was hurt, but he was ahead of guys like Chris Godwin, Tyler Lockett, Marvin Jones, um, and only just behind Thielen, Hill, and Fuller, and guys like that. He was fourth in DVOA, which is uh, very good. Um, wow. I yeah. didn't know he was that high. I think he DVOA was fourth. Mine says he was fifth. My, my, uh... Uh, mine says fourth. He was point one percent higher than Godwin. Mine said it was 27 point. That This is old, though. This is like last week. Might have changed. Yeah, I'm looking updated just a few days ago. Uh, okay. It was updated to 28.1%. All right. Um, yeah, it was 27.9 when I checked. These these uh, pro football. <laughs> <laughs> pro football. Not pro football. Uh, football pro football outsiders. outsiders. Yeah. Yeah. These, but, yeah these, these, these sneaky motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm excited for Aguilar, definitely. Um, he's like a guy who can stretch the field. Um, now, going on to Bourne, uh, these these statistics, uh, he was 36 in DYAR and 29th in DVOA, which... Yep, that's what really, I have. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not bad at all. I mean, like, last year was also kind of weird for the Niners. I mean, they were through Garoppolo, Nick Mullins, and who's the other guy? Garoppolo, Mullins, and there was another guy who played. Was um, it Bethard? Bethard or yeah, CJ Bethard. Yeah, yeah I, they were. And there was a QB carousel last year. The team was injured. Um, but 
I'm excited because the Patriots obviously really wanted him. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, the Patriots tried to trade for him twice. From what I read, um, I can't confirm how true that is, but I think I read it from Mike Reese or one of those guys. So He's pretty reputable. Yeah. yeah, so I'm going to say that it was probably uh, true. And uh, shout out Reese. I think he's one of the better Patriots guys um, for he's information the best. just on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited for Aguilar and Bourne. And uh, I think I think it also allows Myers some room to keep growing because he's he doesn't have to be forced. Like he was forced into that number one role really last year. Um, and let's not forget, he's an undrafted free agent. Right. Um, he was 45th in DYAR and 42nd in DVOA. Um, and I, again, this is not statistically backed up, but he was probably going against the team's number one wider or number one cornerbacks. Yeah, um, especially in the second half of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the kid looked good. Um, I think he's going to continue to grow. Um, and then as we look down, we, we've got Edelman. We, nobody really knows what's going to happen with him. Uh, so somebody's somebody's mic is just killing it over here. <laughs> it's like, I mean, just killing the vibe. Come on. <laughs> I think it's it. Nate's, Nate's got such no, good info. I'm on mute. He's got me so hyped oh, about these JR. guys. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. We're gonna move now. We sound like the first lunar moon landing. Oh my God! One, one giant small step for man, one giant step for mankind. No, 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 no. Every every time somebody else talking that's not me, I'm on mute, so it can't be me. Okay. <laughs> All right. But anyway, I, I I don't know, LB. Do you know anything about Edelman and his situation for the upcoming year? I feel like the thing with, that we're gonna see with Edelman is at this point, you know, he works hard. He already doesn't even cost you that much money, truthfully, considering the production he's given them over the years. He's always been underpaid. They went out. They did give more money to Aguilar, which they typically don't do. They typically will look at wide receivers and say, okay, well, Edelman's making this much. We could pay this much. But they finally broke that box a little bit. I think that they'd have to look at it and say, look, we can start Edelman the year on the on pup. He might not play the first six games, whatever. Maybe he doesn't play the first. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't play the first 10 games of the season, but you figure if he can get healthy, it can't hurt to have an extra body around, especially one that is going to work as hard as him. He brings fantastic leadership. He knows the offense. He doesn't need to practice to know this offense. He's already an incredibly smart football player. He understands defenses and all those different things. And if you can get him back at the end of the year, come playoff time, even if he only plays in six, eight regular season games, you get him back for the playoffs. I think it it certainly couldn't hurt to just keep him around, let him make whatever it is that he's going to make. He probably has in-game bonuses that he'd probably miss due to the injuries. And I can't imagine he would make a ton of money, but he could give you a great return at the end of the year. So I I certainly don't see any point in moving Edelman or um, I don't think he's going to retire. It doesn't seem like he has any plans to retire. I think he's a great, what's the expression I'm looking for? Like an ace, what do they call it? Like an ace in the hole? Ace up the sleeve. Yeah, yeah. I I think he's a nice little thing that you can have there for 
the second half of next season, and you can really hope that he can give you anything. And if he can, the Patriots, we have, it feels like we've had bad luck with injuries and all those different things, and it's always good to have bodies around. It's one yeah. reason why I'm not even all that crazy about trading Harry, and I don't think Harry's a guy. I've let it be known for a long time. I'm not big on Harry. It's not even just his production. I think he's an odd guy. Just not exactly <laughs> sure about the fit for Harry and the things that people say, you know, he, he walks around like he's the man. He thinks he's a number one, whatever, right? And, you know, he's a first-round pick. If you're only going to get back a sixth or a seventh, why not just bring the body to camp? You don't know what's going on with Edelman. You don't know what's going on with some of these other guys. Might as well just go into camp with all these different guys and just see what happens. And if you don't get Edelman to the end of the year, so be it. I think right. it'd be worth whatever he could make at the end of the year if he can add anything. We all yeah, know he's yeah. a great playoff yeah. performer, so... Yeah, I, I also just don't think um, – I don't think he would be, like, cut or let go by Belichick unless, like, it was Edelman's wish, and I don't think Edelman would wish that, you know, I think Edelman will obviously be a Patriot until the end of his career, which is – Yeah, until he can't move anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So I don't think he – I don't think like he's going to be going to a different team. Like I know the, I know there was a lot of speculation, um, you know, possibly going to Tampa, like after, you know, the whole season they had um, to reunite with Brady, but uh, that wouldn't happen. I mean, they, they don't need him. Um, So he'll finish his career with new England. And, uh, but yeah, I agree. I said earlier, Pup list six to eight weeks or six to eight games, and he's back in the second half of the season. I hope, that's yeah. my hope, because he's he's a guy who can teach the the wide receiver. Well, he can teach the wide receivers throughout the year, even if he's not playing. But he, you know, that's a guy who you want like in game, and that's a guy you want like around your team. Like yeah. even after he's done, I don't see him leaving football. I definitely see him coming back sometime to do some type of coaching. Yeah, like Troy Brown and all that. Yeah, yeah. like Troy Brown. Um, I think he's just like a football guy. I think he's a football mind. He's learned so much from Belichick and so much from Brady. Somebody's got a vacuum going. <laughs> um, but like somebody's doing a little spring cleaning. <laughs> no worry, it's, Nate's just talking. <laughs> it's like. Uh, it's kind of like sad because like all these players that like I am like grew up with, like really grew up with, like from when I can, you know, really remember football to getting big into football, you know, like Brady's gone, you know, Edelman is on the end of his career. Gronk's gone. Chung is Chung just retired. Like it's kind of sad to like see all these like Patriots players and Patriots teams be completely like dismantled from like my childhood. I'm happy you say that, Nate, and I'll be quick because I know you guys have other things to get to. Sometimes I do start to think to myself, how many guys can you lose before – we always talk about the Patriot way, right? The culture, the culture, the culture. And you, you start to chip away at that over time. And we've really seen teams chip away at that you know, since 16, 17, 18. The Patriots have chipped away at themselves. They've let other guys go. They've traded guys. But you just keep chipping away. You keep chipping away. You keep chipping away. And before you know it, you know, you don't even have Brady here anymore. So it is a good thing to have guys like Edelman around. You do want those leaders. I don't know what ends up happening with Hightower. I know some people still believe that he could be moved at a different point because of his cap number. All the bodies have added on defense. But if he is indeed there in 2021, he's a good guy to have there, right? He's got a million rings. He won rings at Alabama. He's won Super Bowls. He's a winner. 
And he's a, yeah, he you know, really was a big part of the Super Bowl victories. <laughs> and you're able to keep David Andrews. You bring back Trent Brown, who has a Super Bowl ring in here, and he, and he loves it here. And his best year was in New England. And you bring back Kyle Van Noy, who's won three Super Bowls now. With the, I'm sorry, two Super Bowls with the Patriots. He played in three. And it's good to get those leadership guys back. I do think those things do matter. And especially when you're adding in a bunch of new guys, Aguilar, Mills, Bourne. The yeah. two tight ends. It guides them uh, to Judon. the Patriot way. You know? Yes. It, yeah. Yep. And uh, it's like, uh, I, I kind of like lost my train of thought here, honestly. So I'm going to let you continue because I really oh. had something on the right. tip of my tongue. And I forgot. I it. You, said, <laughs> you, you, you said about Edelman, you know, sticking around football or even if he's not playing, having him around. And I agree with you 100%. I think he's a yep. good guy to have 100%, around. 100%. Really? That guy's a, for a wide receiver to be a leader is so rare. That doesn't happen. And he's definitely, he's a leader even when Brady was here, at least an extension right. of Brady, an extension of Belichick. So that's definitely a guy you want. And like I said, he like you said, he's not getting released. The only time I can see him getting released is like he literally can't play anymore. Like if Belichick feels like he can't move, like then yeah. But like we, it's not like we have the luxury of the depth chart, even with adding the two new guys to like, oh, we can just let Edelman go. Our wide receiver still ain't that great for to be doing all that. I think these two guys will help a lot though. But go ahead, KP. You look like you yeah. Want to say so um, there have been a. Um... A lot of t- there's been a lot of talk about the Aguilar contract and whether or not uh, he was worth all that money. Um, after all, um, he was a huge disappointment for the Eagles prior to last year with the Raiders and was kind of known for drops. Uh, last year, he had 48 receptions for 896 yards and eight touchdowns. Uh, it seems, in my opinion, like the Pats overpaid for him, and maybe they did, but he was very productive last year. and. Speed kills. Yep. I mean, Aguilar, he's fast, he's explosive, and the Pats need speed. They've always needed speed. For the last 20 years, they've needed speed at wide receiver. Very rarely do they ever get it. Um, he finished uh, top 10 in DYAR and DVOA, as Nate mentioned. He also had a 73.8 PFF grade, which is pretty solid, uh, a bit higher than Bourne, who they also signed. Uh, definitely a fast, talented, top 15 wide receiver last year, which the Pats desperately needed. Uh, so maybe he was worth the money. Now, Bourne, there wasn't too many risks. Uh, he kind of rose from being undraft- an undrafted free agent in 2017 to being a number three receiver in San Fran last year, uh, with the 49ers benefiting from having him in- on a more affordable contract. Uh, the Pats are buying high on him, and... Some fans, I think, might have preferred them signing Curtis Samuel. But in the advanced metrics, Bourne was better than Samuel and just about all of them. So I, I really like wow. the Bourne signing. K- hey, KP, if, my, if you mind if I interject. Sure. Um, one thing I will say, because I, I, I like y'all are the analytics guys and LB brings, you know, what he brings because he's seen a lot more football than the rest of us. Okay. But from just like from what I've seen from some of the film and stuff like that, I feel like one underrated part of both these guys' games that might help, because Belichick seems to like this a lot, even though it's never really kind of worked out from guys we drafted, both those guys can make tough catches. And we have a quarterback that's not the most accurate, which neither of our guys seem to be. Those two guys can make some incredible... Like, go look at some of the catches that, for as suspect as his hands can be, go look at some of the catches that Nelson Aguilar can make. Like, he has long arms, really long arms for a six-feet guy. And he just gets open. 
which is also something that we really, really just desperately need. We just need a guy, if nothing else, can get open. Like, Edelman's had as many drops as, like, you know, some people have for, like, their whole careers, like, in, in a season. But the thing about Edelman, at least, is that, you know, he showed up in the playoffs. But it's just, like, it's not like we haven't had guys who had drops before, but he gets open. Right. So, like, those guys can be really, really good with their contested catchability and just ability to get open. So, I'm, you know, yeah, we're probably slightly overpaid for um, Aguilar. But, like, when he played for the Raiders, he got thrust into the number two role. I don't think Ruggs was just quite what they thought he was going to be. So, it's just, like, he had to play and do a lot more than, you know, I think initially they thought he was going to do. So, to me, that's a good sign. Right. Now, do you guys want to move on to the draft or do you want to talk about the offensive line and defensive signings? Either or. I'm, I'm, draft, I'm, I'm, I'm good, yeah. Oh, we can go about the draft, yeah. Go Let's the draft. go to the draft. So who are you guys looking forward to the Pats going after in the draft? We'll start with you, Nate. Uh, I would like to see a trade up for quarterback if we don't. Let's go. Um, now, I, I'm going to just say this. I don't watch much college football. I, I can't say that enough. Like, I do not watch enough college football. I'm not a QB expert on these guys coming out of the draft. Just from what I've seen, um, it seems seen and heard and read. It seems Mac Jones is the most NFL ready quarterback. Like he's a guy who you could start in year one. Um, and then you have a guy like Trey Lance, who's a guy who shouldn't start for a year, most definitely, and maybe not even two years. He shouldn't start. Um, he's only 20 years old. He only played what he only started one year of college football at North Dakota State, um, which it was a good year. 28 touchdowns, no interceptions. He threw for like 2,800 yards. He ran for like 1,200 yards. So like the kid's got to be an incredible athlete, but you got to figure He's going to sit for two years. Um, where does that leave us for the next two years on Lance? Like, where does I, that I disagree with you, Nate, if I may interject real quick. At least my own personal philosophy is that if you pick a quarterback in the top 20, they should play right, right away. But that's just me personally. Uh, if they threw Lance in right now, I don't think it would be a good idea. I don't, Just personally, a 20-year-old quarterback who had one starting year in college, I, I don't think that's a good idea. Um, you look at what Aaron Rodgers did behind Brett Favre. He sat behind him for what three years, maybe three three years, four off seasons. Yeah, yeah. So and, and it paid off. Um, I I think that could be a situation. I don't think it'll be three years and four off seasons if we decided to get Lance somehow. I think it would be two. Um, but what do you? But what do you think about like? the the change of just like offensive philosophy the way that offensive coordinators coordinate their game towards quarterbacks the seven on seven practice to me like i don't see a reason to sit him especially uh, uh, they would know better than us belichick and josh mcdane that at the end of the day if we do get a qb that decision's up to them but if if he's if he's equal or close to cam newton and unless cam newton is blowing him out the water he should play our offensive line is actually good, or at least we think it's going to be really good. It was good last year, and we kept Andrews and added Trent Brown. I don't see a reason not to play whoever is here. I do think that Mac Jones is the best fit here, but I think anybody who we pick in, if, if we get any of the, the top five quarterbacks, I, I want to see him play personally. 
I know KP mentioned something on Lance and not playing and sitting for several years, if I do remember, and when we were talking just in the DMs or something like that, KP. So what are your thoughts on it? Um, from a skill set perspective, I think Lance fits in with other recent first round prospects. His size, his arm strength, his running ability, and his big play potential are in line with um, the other guys on the board. As a passer, he definitely has next level ability. Um, for instance, at the uh, North Dakota State Pro Day, Lance had a quality outing, but he also missed a few throws. Um, his one game of the 2020 season was a mixed outing. He missed some throws and made some mistakes, but considering the rust factor that he had, uh, those issues were somewhat understandable. He, uh, he went for what? Completed 50% of his passes, 149 yards, two touchdowns, and interception. But he also ran for 143 yards and two touchdowns on 15 carries as well. You know, and after that game, he decided, he said he would enter the draft. So um, I think he'll need a lot of... With Lance, because I I thought I thought uh I thought Trey Lance didn't throw an interception in this last year. So it might have been Lance tw- didn't throw an interception twenty nineteen. Yeah, the year before the year before he didn't throw a North, single at, one. At, at, at the pro day, I'm talking about the pro to day. Kate, oh, okay. To, okay. To oh, that's point, my fault. Yeah, yeah. To Nate's point, he had three years at at North Dakota State 2018, 2019, 2020. He threw three hundred eighteen passes now since high school. That is. So to Nate's point, that is a little. You have to be a little worried about throwing this kid in as a rookie. I have well, 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 we have an off-season high school. Yeah, he'll he'll need some practice year, time. No, he'll I, some... he's a hundred percent a guy who would not start. He will not start. Oh, in, no, he'll no, need no, a lot of practice and, time. Any single team, team he gets drafted though. by, I don't think he starts. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. But he has a great. He has a great skill set with arm strength, size, running ability, and he's got plenty of upside. Um, I think one AFC general manager, according to it might have been Schefter, said they think Lance is worthy of being a pick in the back half of the first round because he needs development. Although he'll probably go a lot higher out of team need, like the Pats or other teams around the NFL. Um, he'll need, he needs a lot of work with reading defenses, working through progressions and overall pocket passing. Yeah, and that's something uh, I think, that he can. Like Mahomes even said it himself, he didn't know how to read defenses that well when he came into the NFL. Yeah, even after his first he year, was he was winging it. Yeah, yeah, he was really winging it out there. And like, you can't say that Trey Lance is Mahomes, but you can see like the similar type skill set and ability to roll out, ability to run, and the arm, a huge arm. Yeah. One thing about Lance is he's, he plays mistake-free football more often than not. So. You know, his, his, his redshirt freshman year in 2019, he had, what, 67% of his 67% completion percentage, almost 3,000 yards and 28 touchdowns with no interceptions. He also ran for 1,100 with 14 on the ground. So his rushing yardage is something that, you know, if they if the pet, if Josh and Bill love Cam, they're, they're also going to have their eye on on Lance. If they love Cam, they'll fall deeply in love with Lance. Yeah, exactly. I will say I, I don't mind looking at rushing numbers for a quarterback when they're such an efficient passer. Yes. Right. You know, when when we're talking eight touchdown passes, I really don't want to hear about 14 rushing touchdowns. But, <laughs> yeah. And we're talking about, you know, Lamar Jackson, who I think gets a lot of crap as a passer. But I think he's a much better passer than people give him credit for. 
when you look at his passing numbers, you put it together with the fact that he's just run for over a thousand yards now, two years in a row. Now, now I'll talk about, you know, rushing for your quarterback. I just hate that whole discussion when it's, you know, your quarterback. He had eight rushing touch, eight pass touchdowns. People want to say, yeah, yeah, don't forget those 14 rushing touchdowns. It's like, you know, Trey Lance had 14 rushing touchdowns, yeah, yeah. but he People had 28 like, passing touchdowns and no picks. So it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a quarterback a position at the end of the day. Like the exactly. running is just extra. That's a special yep. trait that helps, you know, make up some of the difference or even make you even more special. But at the end of the day, like, we're in an era where you where you have to throw the football. Like everybody has to throw a football. Like I know running is important and and all that, but like the Raven, like you were bringing a Lamar guest, the Ravens have been the number one rushing team, the number two rushing team the past two years, and they can't go far in the playoffs because they can't throw the football legitimately right. the way they need to. Yeah, it sucks because so, yeah. Lamar has a nice ball. He has a nice deep ball. He does. So do Kansas. His balls are nice. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, Nate, here comes Captain Troll. KP, I, I know that you're a big stats guy. How much do you actually love to be able to say that we kind of have now witnessed a quarterback run for a thousand yards two years in a row? Because I remember when Vic did it, it was a huge deal. I think Cunningham had gone for like 980 in the 90s or in the 80s or something. So it's actually pretty incredible what we're witnessing from Lamar Jackson. Yeah, he's phenomenal. He might retire the best dual threat quarterback to ever play. He passed Steve Young and even and Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, I think, is probably the best dual threat guy right now. But Lamar Jackson's right there behind him. In terms of, and he's certainly better as a rusher. But in terms yeah, of being like able to do that, both, I think Real Wilson's a little better at doing both. I do feel yep, bad I think that's totally Lamar fair. A little bit. I do really think that uh, I, he, he, he has a good arm. Like, people... People are uh, like, you know, he's being held back, I think, by the wide receivers on his team. I mean, he's throwing the ball to Miles Boykin. I mean, yep. Marquise Brown's not bad, but his guys were like Willie Sneed and Miles Boykin. I mean, that's like throwing the ball to JR, basically, as you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, he's got Sammy Watkins now. Let's see how many games Dude, he plays. They, they turned to Des Bryant this year. Oh, yeah. like that, the ghost of Des talk Bryant. About des talk about desperation. Yeah. Yes. So Ravens, really, over the last 20 years, they've never really had skilled players that, like, other than, like, Bolden, that really stood out. And... It's a good point. They didn't really draft too many of their own. It, it is a good point. Steve Smith came along and played well for them, but, of course, yeah. he was a free agent signing. The other one would be— And he was uh, at the end of his career, too. It wasn't that— yeah, like as productive yep. as say Bolden. Or... Oh, speaking speaking of that, that's the other thing that I'm talking. I'm glad y'all segue into that by accident. But if we don't pick a quarterback, I want a wide receiver. If Waddle, or, Waddle. or if any of those guys are there, I don't care which. Honestly, I don't care which one. Other than Pitt, but he wouldn't fall that far anyway. But other than Pitt, any of the wide receivers are there. Just take it. Just I take the best Bateman. player available. Yeah, I agree. Rondale Moore is another good pick. I would like to see him as a Patriot. It's interesting, too, what KP said. I know it's not like a huge topic right now, but even Bolden was another. People talk about that a lot with the Patriots, but it's not totally bizarre for a team to, you know, look to free agency to find some find some weapons. Bolden, uh, who was the other one there? He played with the Eagles. He started his um, career somewhere else. The guy, he started with Smith? the guy who always – who? Tory Smith. Yep, Tory Smith. Tory Smith. Yep, I, I was – in my head, I was gonna say I was about to say Taylor Smith. I couldn't quite remember. Yeah, Tory Smith. 
Yeah, he was, he was, he was a pass interference machine. He always got those. Like Flacco would just throw it deep to him, and the ref would just whoop, throw the flag. Flag, yeah, flag, he was flag. Great, he was great at drawing, uh, drawing flags. That's why I used to call Corey him Smith. DB Flacco, pass interference Flacco, because yeah. that's what his best. Never forget 2017, Brandon Cooks versus the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars secondary. How many how many pass interferences did he pick up that day versus Jacksonville? <laughs> Thing is a that lot. that that dude's so fast, it's hard to like be able to maintain him. You're gonna oh, get a PI Brady, call. He owned Brady was doing the flat though. That, he owned Boye in that game. Brady was just chucking those babies up. He was. He just said, "I, I know this guy's gonna get me the flag down there," and it worked so many times. Huge penalties. Free yardage. I like what KP said earlier. KP said about speed, and I know that we're talking draft here a little bit, but speed, speed, speed. Feel like, speed kills. Yeah, that's something the Pats the really Patriots haven't have done. Ne- yeah, they've never drafted yeah. speed, and that always ticks me off a mm-hmm. little bit. Uh-huh. And I then mean, you look. Cooks like, is the most recent memory of a guy who's had speed. Obviously, we didn't draft him, and I, I know I just cut you off, LB. But like something no, okay. we never had is speed, really. And you can see what like Brady did when we had a speed guy with Cooks. Um, obviously Brady's not here anymore, but like speed does kill, you know, you take, the you can even go the back defense. to Dion branch, bro. You can even go yeah, back. He to was, branch. he was known for his speed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's been few and far between. I, I definitely see what you got. You, you have branch those years. And then, you know, obviously Moss comes along and he would, he would just glide down the field, past everybody effortlessly. Yeah. Uh, and then you had cooks, but it, it kind of has been few and far between his big our, our speed guy for a few years there was chris hogan who was yeah. he had some good moments here he had some good moments but the, he was the lacrosse player 7-eleven he played lacrosse are you kidding me no, yeah I he went know. back to lacrosse now i never Did heard he? that no he played lacrosse really yeah he was a lacrosse player wow who knew other than everybody across and, the country, yeah, and Tom Brady prime time baseball game. player and Julian yeah. Edelman, he was a I don't. I doubt you guys know this, but he was a college quarterback, actually. Oh, Dude, really Kent State's goat. <laughs> I don't know if you guys He's knew that. But he fun was fun to watch. He was fun to watch. If you watch his YouTube videos, man, he, he could rip he, it. Yeah, he was wearing that number one down there with Kent State. He wore eleven too for a couple of years, and then his senior junior year, he switched to that number one. He was just like owning. He was impossible to keep up with. And then the Patriots were like, hey, we're going to make you a wide receiver and draft you in the seventh round. It figures. It's like with the Patriots, and I've said this quite a few times. It feels like when there's no when, – when the pick is some sort – when there's like an issue with a player like Gronk, there was worries about his back, or Hernandez, there was worries about him being a murderer. There are these <laughs> <different types laughs> yeah, mentally. <laughs> there's just different things where – they can make those picks when it's like there's less thought involved, but when they yeah. overthink it, they give you Harry and they don't exactly. give you the obvious guy. Okay. It's a strange thing. Well, I it's think they went thing. after Harry because of McDaniels. I think McDaniels had a lot to do with Harry because Harry got a lot of comparisons to what's his, who was the Denver? Demarius uh, Thomas. Demarius Thomas. He got a lot of comparisons to Demarius Thomas coming out of college and McDaniels drafted Demarius Thomas back in 09 or yeah, I think it was 09. And yeah, they're they're very similar. McDaniel's probably had a lot of say in who they drafted that year. And I also know that. I, um, but I don't. I, I don't Casario understand loved that. him too. Oh yeah, I agree. I, 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 but I don't understand that though because I always feel like we should always pick players that like get open. Especially in our system, we run a lot of option routes. It seems like in stuff like that. Why don't we just pick guys who just you know 
get open. We always seem to want to pick these athletes. It doesn't make any sense to me, personally. Give me somebody Sorry, that's fast like Tyreek Hill. Give me Sorry, somebody like that. Uh, somebody's doing an American Idol audition in the background right now. So <laughs> it's just... Uh, so it's, I'm, I'm blaming JR. You know, we got the Real vacuum house. going, Mike. And it's just, you know it's JR. It's just JR. No, I'm on my I'm on my uh I'm on my PC. No, I think, right I think now, that so. I think that might have been Vince's mic. He, he said earlier that he had some problems with I'm um, just, I'm people just playing around. All right. That's just I just um, I like to, so I, I'm a comedian. I'm a comedian. Of course you are. Now where <laughs> now with Mac um we mentioned Mac Jones earlier. We did but we didn't really delve into him. What do you guys what are you guys thoughts if the Pats go after him or target him? Would you like to, them to target him in the first round, second round, early yeah, he falls third the round? Second, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, I, I, just don't, like I don't know if he'll fall, though. I don't know if he'll fall to 15. I mean, if we're going to trade up, I'd trade up for somebody like Trey Lance or Justin Fields when necessarily trade up for Mac Jones. Yeah, Fields is interesting. He Last year, he dominated Nebraska, Penn State, Rutgers before coming through with one of the best games of his career in college history, really, with by beating Clemson in the, uh, in the playoff. That was a so, that mean, was a crazy game. Yeah. At this point, if you have teams reports out there that Mac Jones might go third overall, I have a hard time thinking about it and seeing him even slipping past the Panthers. But if the Patriots did have to trade up and Mac was still on the board, say I don't know, twelve or eleven or something like that, if they need to move up, I'd I'd be all for it in that situation. Well, Mac- I just I, I think Vince and I have said this a million times. I want them to get the guy that they really want and not settle. But it, yeah. now it's seeming unlikely that they can even do that because now the three, the, the first three picks are going to be quarterbacks. Uh, Atlanta reportedly could still go for a quarterback. Everybody's saying the Panthers at eight are going to go quarterback. It's, it's getting messy a little bit for quarterbacks. Yeah. Thanks Miami done messed up the whole draft order. Seems yeah. like, uh... yeah. you know, another thing too, I don't think the quarterback class next year is going to be very good. So we were it, just like, oh, we don't need one. Like, if there, if there's one on the board, just it, just trade up and get it. Yeah. So if, there's, if some late gonna... round, there's some late round picks that have got a lot of uh, attention, like Kyle Trask. He's Kellen projected Mond. to be a second to fourth round. Uh, Kellen Mond, he's projected to be, let's see. Between third and fifth. Three, 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 three and five. And then there's um, Jamie Newman, who's four to six. I want nothing to do with Jamie Newman. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. I am so good on that. All right. Why do, why do you say I, that? I don't know. I, know. I know KP and I have turned into Kyle Trask stands. And I <laughs> what I like about Trask is that everybody says he can't move for crap. And everybody says he's a statue and all these things. And I'm like. You know what? I kind of like that idea. I kind of like statues. I get, I just got so used to Brady, who is just it's not in the fair pocket. To call. Well, yeah, Trask it's not is a big boy. Call. He's a thick boy. That he Trask. is big. <laughs> it's not <laughs> fair to call Brady a statue in the sense that he's not Drew Blood. So I think KP yeah. watched some blood, so he knows what I mean by that. Brady did have mobility within the pocket, so it's 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 not quite fair. But I I just you know I, I like a pocket pocket passer. I think the Patriots' offense is better with a pocket passer. Cam clearly struggles to be a consistent passer from the pocket, and we saw what it's like to have a running quarterback last year. And I, I don't know about you guys, I uh, I liked it better with Tom Brady. Yeah, I know that's Trask a has a he's got a he's a big guy. He's got a he had a strong arm entering the year. During the year, it didn't look as strong as people thought. Uh, but he's got he's tall. And he's got great pocket presence. He also has rave draws rave reviews for his character and his work ethic. Now I know Bill selected Brady because of those reasons, so maybe Trask 
can uh, he he can fall in love with Trask for the same. But, yeah. I love that stuff. To me, those types of things are more important than all the all of the. He can make all the throws. This guy can flick it with his wrist and all that stuff. But yeah. when it comes, when you get to the NFL, it comes down to the things that you just said: work, yeah, ethic, work ethic, character. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. I watch Kyle Trask all year long, and I watch Jamie Newman. I watch Kellen Mond. My God, Trask out of those three, best I think would be the best pick in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, he 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 dominated Kentucky. He dominated Vanderbilt. He dominated Ole Miss. Dominated South Carolina. Dominated Tennessee, dominated Arkansas, carried could, Florida to a win over Georgia, which he threw what five hundred yards in that game. They could have beat Alabama. They really yep. could have. They were coming yeah, back in that game. Alabama, he did. I gotta, I gotta push back real quick at what you said, LB. You said work ethic. It. What you say the other part? Character. Character. Jordan Richards. Sorry. Uh, so no. Well, when it comes to NFL quarterbacks, that is. Because, look, everybody said all these things. Tom Brady, oh, he's not not athletic enough. He doesn't have the elite arm that you're looking for, blah, blah, blah. Look, they can pretty much all make all the throws. They might not yeah. all make it. It might not look as pretty as it looks for Zach Wilson, but if you jog Kyle Drask out into a football field and ask him to throw, you know, 40 passes for you, he's probably going to hit all of them, right? I, I, the arm strength differences are typically marginal when you get to this point unless the quarterback is Julian Edelman or something, you know, and, and you just know that it's not going to work at the next level. And a lot of times what it comes down to at that point is which guy is going to work the hardest, which guy has the heart for it. Truthfully, that mental makeup is insanely huge. We've seen guys with more talent than Brady a million times that uh, this guy can make all the throws, flick of the wrist. He can throw it 80 yards on his knee to Marcus Russell. He can throw it 80 yards easily, but it's just, if that, Mental mental upstairs part isn't there for a quarterback leaving college. Like, look at Johnny Manziel. He was just a complete train wreck. Party boy. No, that stuff means a lot to me when, when you're talking about who's going to succeed in the NFL at quarterback. A lot of the, yeah. the douchey guys, they just don't succeed, I'd say, at the same rate as those quarterbacks who really love the game. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned uh, talent and arm strength and arm ability. Trask has, you know, great pocket passing ability. He's very accurate in terms of ball placement, timing, field vision, and decision making. Um, he can make touch passes. Uh, he's got natural passing ability, basically. Um, his lack of mobility and teams viewing him as kind of a statue in the pocket. Um, I think that's a hogwash. You know, if he, he he's he he has great passing ability, great pocket presence. Any quarterback who has great pocket presence can work on, you know, being a, that aspect of that criticism, I should say. Um, his one bad game last year was against uh, Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl, and he was playing without his top three receivers and his star tight end and Kyle Pitts, who, if the Pats didn't sign um, Henry and Johnny, I would have liked them to go after. Now, um, yeah, so is there any other... Uh, like skill players or maybe linemen that you guys in the draft that you guys would like to patch the target. Okay. Uh, if we're not going to talk, I'm not going to say a lineman, but I'm going to say a defensive player. Um, JC Horn. All right, Jay. What, what, what about him? Do you like JR? <laughs> oh, dude, he is. Oh my God. That kid is all over the field. He is one of the best corners I've ever seen. Oh my God. That kid. Yeah. The ball could be on one side of the field. He's there in seconds. Like he is a ball hawk and he's a, he can cover anything, and he can 
He can find the ball anywhere. He's so good. One of the best corners you've ever seen, huh? In college? You really haven't seen me play. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say this. In college, yes. I mean, personally, I'm going to be a homer. I'm going to say Jalen Ramsey was the best corner I've ever seen play the game in college football. But, dude, I mean. You guys have a couple good ones down there. Primetime, Deion Sanders and the uh, Yes, sir. You know, wearing that number two down there for FSU. You had, like you just said, Ramsey. Nice history there for Is Florida he a good State. run defender, JR? That's the Pats need that. No. No. We need our run stuffing cornerback. Nothing <laughs> sets the tone for a defense, you know? Hey, that's that, that, that makes or that makes about. or breaks a run defense, whether it or does. not the corner the cornerbacks can can handle that. No, but he, I'm excited yeah, about signing right. the D line because we're talking I mean, uh, like, you know, we watched the Pats get run over last year. Like it was yes. just it, it was really tough to watch. Um, we'd always say in group chats, run defense, run defense, run defense. Let you them know, throw the ball on us. Yeah, Gilmore. Well, you know, here's um, here's the thing that I think uh, our good friend uh, Kenny Lofton, you know, Mr. Anthony Webster talked about um, is like fundamentally like on defense being so good on a certain side of the ball and you kind of just like funnel that team into doing the opposite of what your team is good at. And I think that's like really like what the Patriots had happened to them. Cause like, I think people respected the secondary, even though the secondary wasn't that great last year. Um, you know, our past DVOA rankings were not that good, but I think teams, um, you know, really like understood that they could really run the ball on us, like with ease. Um, you know, it was tough to watch. I think the one game that we did a good job of stopping it was actually against the Ravens, which is kind of hilarious yeah. considering they were like That's the best their team. Yeah, their button. identity. Lamar can do shit. I actually thought I that was the turning point of the season, and then I think the next week we came out and got absolutely destroyed by the Texans. I think was the following Ugh, week after that. Brutal. And that was a brutal game. Like we, who, who's crushed all my Darren, hopes. Darren Fells literally yeah. was our owner. Ugh. Makes me want. Like, makes me sick. Yeah, that was like, that was a bad game. Yeah, the Pats had a lot of meat nailed... on defense too this off season. Like they needed, they had to improve defensive tackle. They had to improve the, the defensive line in general. Really, the defense needed more help up front. Their run defense was what twenty sixth last year. One hundred and one hundred and thirty one point four yards per game. Jesus Christ! Twentieth <laughs> in opponent rushing average, which is four. Four and a half yards per carry, you know, with uh, you know, veteran Lawrence Guy, a free agent, Ty Howard getting up there in age, and the status of Bo Allen, who we signed last year, was a bit cloudy. You know, the the Pats needed to really needed to improve the defense this offseason, and I think they did that with all the signings they had. I'm just gonna say this another defensive lineman that you that's good with run stopping. If you want him, I'm going to say another homer. Marvin Wilson, dude. He might not go until like the third or fourth round, but he's not bad. He was one of the best run defenders Florida State's had in a while. Right. They picked up uh, Godshow there, which is just an elite name. Devin yeah. Godshow. Like, God that's show. Like, that's God such show. a defensive stud. Like, that's such a defensive <laughs> stud player type name. You know it what is. I mean? Dave on Godshow. 
Yeah. I always think of names, Nate. I do that in my head. Like, yeah. like you just hear LeBron James and like, yeah. you just knew from the minute that kid was like eight years old, he was just going to be a superstar. Like yeah, you like, don't get named Kobe Bryant and just suck at sports. I, you just can't have it happen. And I think like, I think, uh, I think like back in the day, like Joe Montana, like he was Joe cool. Like that's a cool name. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is. You know, even Joe yeah. Flacco is a cool name. Yeah, it, it's kind of like Falco from the uh, replacement movie. Mm-hmm. It's funny because Tom Brady sounds like an all-American name, doesn't it? Maybe it's it because is. like you had the Brady bunch and the whatever Thomas Edward Patrick, but, but just that name, Tom Brady, like it just had like that name, that that certain ring to it. And then you have like Ben Roethlisberger, who's like ugly and like fat and like <laughs> doing questionable things in bathroom stalls and oh, <laughs> it's, on, man. Or, or even or even you know look at the sean, sean watson, watson that's a great name oh sean watson's a great name though it just sounds like attic. a superstar oh jeez yeah you know? that's a sean watson situation man is it's that's a tricky one that's it's it's, it's weird i don't know what to say, think about it yeah i i i honestly don't even want to talk about it it's just it's strange yeah, i agree <laughs> But it's, LB mentioned, I, I hope Davin Godshow, and um, Godshow. I think he, he was he was a great pickup, but he was limited to five games last year because of a torn bicep. So that uh, he's only twenty six, but that um, that kind that's kind of concerning. I um, also wish we kept uh, Adam Butler. He was honestly one of my favorite players on the defense. He yeah, but he was streaky. I I agree, but I felt like he was I I felt like he was good. I, I mean, I thought he was he was solid. Player. He was one of the best players on defense all year. Yeah. Was it the Was it the game versus the Cardinals that he just absolutely dominated? He took over. He took over that game. Was that That, that was, was the a crazy game. game right? He was insane. Yeah. That, that was when we stopped him on the one yard line before halftime. Man, we had some awesome wins, and then just the losses. Broncos, the losses were bad. I mean, oh. I. I I can't obviously speak for years and years ago, but the Broncos loss uh, and the 49ers loss, those were two of the worst Patriots games I've ever watched. Uh, Along with the Chiefs game, obviously back in 2014 was bad, but like the Broncos game, like it was a right, it was a close game of like, well, we really made it a close game at the end. I think we made it closer than it really was, but the offense just didn't, we could not do anything. And drew lock was moving the ball down the field on us. Uh, we ended up limiting him to just field goals, but like that was a terrible game in the 49ers game. I, I don't know if you could say that there's a worse Patriots game in the last 15 years in that game. Yeah. That game was over. Like as it began, oh, yeah, just the, yeah. Cam was just throwing ridiculous turnovers, his inter- ridiculous interceptions, and just horrible turnovers. The defense didn't show up to play at all. That was a brutal night. You're absolutely right. I mean, personally, I think I should have suited up and been out there for that game, but they, they didn't call me back. Listen, man, you tore your ACL trolling. We don't need that to happen again, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's been a long recovery. It's been a long, long offseason. Listen, if you could get injuries trolling – Nate is a he's Rob Gronkowski <laughs> of <laughs> Nate is the Rob Gronkowski of trolling, if that's the case. <laughs> he's the troll peeve. father. No, I don't he's Don Trollion. Deshaun Jackson of trolling. Don Trollion. Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. 
<laughs> Nate, you guys have no idea, Nate. Like, he, I, I have so much respect for Nate because it's like he's younger than I am, and it's like he's just grown up so much over the years. He's still funny as hell, though. I, I love the way he's like learned to control himself a little bit. I mean, there was a time when I don't even know if you guys know Nate went through. He, he would number his account. It would be <laughs> Nate like Red Sox or something like that. Like account. He would put a number at the end. And by the end of like the time he was using numbers, it was up to like 48. It was like Nate. <laughs> I literally had suspended accounts count in my I had like suspended X like 65 in my bio. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And you would add the numbers to your to your handle and it was just yep. like and then and then I'd I'd always just wake up and it would be like Nate would follow me again. I'd be like, damn it. And then <laughs> he, he, this, he would always, he always he I actually does so well for account. a while. I've had this account for almost over a year now. I've had it since March of twenty twenty. I really Round of applause for Nate. Yeah, I'm patting myself on the back. It's 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 a long road. It's it's a big big accomplishment. But like I don't tweet anything on it. All I tweet is I tweet Brady stats and then that's it. And And I don't tweet anything. Nah, nah, I have my backup account for trolling. (laughs) Be careful with those backups too. Cause I used to do that and then the backup would get clapped and they'd take all my accounts. As soon as oh, I, I would, would log into my other one, it would. That's why I've warned Jr. Because Jr. made accounts for Jake Via, who we love, but is well. Here's the thing: your modern Nate at this point, where oh you know, yeah, he's getting suspended every other week, and it's just a risk that you yeah. that you put out there. Well, here's the thing: when I, I made that account, account so when I made okay. when I made that account for him, I can I made a whole entire new email. I didn't even add a phone number or anything. So oh, trust me, you're you're not. It's I think Twitter figured out the whole email thing. That's why the phone numbers and all that different stuff. And but yeah, you made me the title talk tweets account. So if, well, if that he, was yeah, I was using my WhatsApp number. Down. So yeah, Twitter's cracked down. Trust me, it's yeah, brutal, man. Big time. And now with the, the IPs, down and the trolls, bunch of yep. cucks. They're really putting my business on the line. <laughs> they're they're trying to put me out of business, man. It's it's sickening. They're closing a shop oh, on Nate. I'm a made guy. Always like hilarious <laughs> though. Like they were so like, I'm a made guy. <laughs> you can't, you can't suspend me. I'm a made guy. <laughs> there are like so many like famous Nate tweets out there that oh, we can't God, get into that are just oh my just gold. So we, we, we technically can. <laughs> <laughs> can we? We could one time. He, he used to Nate used to have the perfect usage of the exclamation point oh, where it would be yeah. like something really, really bad. I hope it happens <laughs> to you. And, but like hit the exclamation point at the end, and it would just make me laugh so hard. Cause it would be like <laughs> I'm picturing the car, the car wreck one. I won't oh even my say it. Oh he asked for the exclamation point and it just topped it off so perfectly. That one is iconic, man. That one I hope something bad opens to you. Because, <laughs> like, you know, like you see people really use an exclamation point, and you just think, like, wow, what a dork. But like, when you <laughs> use it ironically, it's hilarious. It but is. Like, Fox Thompson probably or used sarcastically it. or yeah. whatever. I saw Bobby. Uh, somebody said like he Bacala? was tweeting stuff last night. Like, Bobby done. <laughs> I'm done. Bobby, Bobby, we need Bobby T up in here. Somebody was like, what's wrong, buddy? Person. Okay, it's like, just grinding. 
with an exclamation point. It's like he's dead serious. He's not even hey, what a loser. Very cool <laughs> explanation. He's just grinding, man. Yeah, he's grinding out copy pasting every <laughs> single like what is it? how does that grinding like bro you he's you on that Dov climbing beat. Oh my god. Dov climbing. Nobody wants to play for the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this guy? I don't even know like if he can speak great English because he's actually from Israel. Yeah, I know. Like, I want to know that, about that. this guy. Like, oh. I want to pay somebody. Like, I want to pay a private investigator to learn about this guy. <laughs> I want to know everything about him because it's <laughs> creepy. And it, what really makes me mad is he takes like NFL videos and puts his own copyright on him. Like he filmed it or created it or something. <laughs> and it just makes me angry. Yeah. Thanks for the content, Dov. What is <laughs> excellent content, Dov. Thanks. I haven't seen that on NFL, ESPN, Bleacher Report, but thanks for you posting that yeah. with your with your own personal watermark on there. Hold up, hold up. Now we're forgetting the most important source on all of Twitter. Bobby. Bobby T. Bobby T the GOAT. Next thing you know, Savage Boston is going to be putting his his handle on videos too, and it's going to be like, dude, cream. that's a Boston yeah. cream the donut. Oh my god! Oh my <laughs> we don't. Lord. We're getting. We don't need to get started on all this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, donuts got a watermark now. If donut. anything, we need we need we need an episode. We need a Sopranos talk episode. <laughs> we do. Because I want to talk about Bobby Bagala. Bobby Bagala. Hey, KP. Mad the Mad TV skit they did about the Sopranos, the Sopranos with uh, Will Sasso doing Tony. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they have to like censor out the bad stuff, so <laughs> yeah. it's just like four minutes of usable footage. It was actually hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I watched it's that the other day. I think when they were that—that's when the Sopranos was moving to A and E on regular cable, and they were making fun of like, oh, the show would never work because it'd be, you know, a different word every other. Like it'd be frick every other. Every other word, or it'd just be like silence, like every other or second. Be be like, what yeah. the? That, like, was <laughs> <laughs> the gabagool? Hey, man, and they'd have to censor the shit out of the bottom of the Bing scenes. Like, my God, yeah. a mozzarella, a mozzarella, some, mozzarella. some gabagool. Get a, the gabagool. Is that stuff good? You it's, never had capicola? Um, capicola. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Are, are it's any very of good. You guys, any of you guys Italian? Yeah, I'm uh, actually not. I'm a quarter Sicilian. I am. I I actually don't know because my dad was adopted, so I have no idea like what I am from my dad's side. Like I could be full blown. I could actually be Tony Soprano's kid for all we know. <laughs> <laughs> wow, though that's interesting. So he doesn't even know, huh? Yeah, yeah. That so is I like don't even know. things just got so weird or whatever. Yeah, and I don't think he's ever like wanted to know. Yeah, I, he might not even. Yeah, I yeah. get it. Yeah, I, I get be. it too. All right. I never kind of like pressed yeah, him family's about not it, all know? that great, anyways. You know, I, my dad's, I, my dad's grandparents died. I almost wish I never knew them. So this like, three went This just went weird. We started about football, and now we moved all the way to family ties. This is a sports and entertainment podcast. This is the entertainment portion. He might be Tony Soprano's kid. This this might end up being the most 
People are going to actually enjoy this part of the pod, though. Nate, right now. Nate might be AJ. To say bloopers, he was just like, at some point during the conversation devolved. This is the B-roll. Oh, Brian's going to have a fun time going through this, looking for clips for audio. Oh, my yeah. God. Damn right he will. I love it. I love when Christopher is like mad about. Uh, I love when Christopher's mad about uh, when they uh, when Jackie Jr. and his friends uh, go and rob the card game. Yeah. And uh, like Christopher meets Tony, like, and he's like, "We gotta do something about Jackie Jr. tonight." And Tony's, you know, like, "No, you can't." And and Christopher's like, "You know, I used to love you, you know." Always <laughs> 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 that. That's in the hotel lobby, right? And he, Tony just like attacks him and gets him in the yeah, like, Well, if you don't love me anymore, that breaks my fucking heart. <laughs> <laughs> but you will respect me. But you will respect me. Man, I haven't finished this show, but like it's easily gonna be one of my favorites by the time I finish it. It's so good. Yeah, that's definitely top three. Yeah. Nobody wants to play for Belichick. <laughs> I just loved it because Nate did the same uh, voice uh, for <laughs> this character that he used for Dove. <laughs> you know, like, like like you said, we do need. In all seriousness, this is this is uh, not a laughing matter. This is this is very serious. Um, we do need to find out who Dove is and just, you know, put an end to it. I'll leave it at that. So, if anybody's listening, you know what to do. Dove Hyman is. I'm offering a reward. <laughs> 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 I'm offering a reward for you. Giving me a reward. I'll see you guys. All right. Hey, man, just never. Hey, as long as we're not buying a book about, you know, how to write a screenplay in 21 days, I mean, come on. (laughs) Where's my art? This is how it ends. ends. Um, (laughs) Yeah, everybody just goodbye. I want to thank Vince. Vince. I want to thank Vince, JR, LB for coming on the show. Uh, It's wonderful having you guys on. That was Um, a lot of fun. Is there anything you guys would like to plug before you go? Hey, just check out all of our Title Talk Media podcasts. I think everybody's doing a great job. Um, I know JR does his Bruins Talk podcast. He he recently had Brianna uh, Pere on there. You know, she's a, she has a big Twitter following. He had her on as a guest. I know that Title Talk has had some good guests lined up. And uh, this was a lot of fun, man. I'm, I'm definitely happy I was able to hop right in the middle there and just ask yeah. you guys about Taboo. And nobody knew what I was talking <laughs> yeah, I about. Had no idea. Talk, so that's a Tom Hardy about. show, right? Tom yeah, Hardy. no, it's really good, man. You should you should watch that show. KP, All you right. seem to kind of like a lot of the same shows I like. I bet you'd like it, truthfully. All it's right. definitely really Check good. It it's pretty cool. Um, so next episode will most likely be the Tom Brady episode where we cover his career from high school all the way to the present day. So stay tuned for that, folks. All right. Do your job. Go Patriots. Do your oh, job. yeah. And, uh, you know, by the way, if you want to follow me, uh, it's at Bergeron Takasha, B-E-R-G-E-R-O-N-T-O-K-S-E on Instagram and Twitter. But um, you're going to see that Kendrick Bourne is basically taking over my profile. And I am Kendrick Bourne's number one stand, not Bryson. And we're about to have an argument about that. Okay. And if you don't want to follow him and you know <laughs> everything he just said. You can just follow Stan Gronkandes, but first you got to follow Cape Talk and what's if what's you don't Nate's follow, current handle. 
if you don't want to follow them, which you should follow all of them, that they are. <laughs> yes. You could always follow S L A A Y S T E R R Slayster. Yeah, number well, one, I don't troll as much one, as him, so maybe no, 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 Okay, I gotta, I gotta give KP the number one, number one spot. Number two, Brady Defender on all of Twitter. I think the number one Brady Defender is actually our friend TB Facts, TB underscore Facts okay. on Twitter. Y- you might be right he, on that. He, he might be the best. He's got although, right. although he, he, he puts a nowhere, lot of work into he, it. He's nowhere near the troll that we are, Nate. <laughs> we do all the <laughs> trolling keep, for him. He keeps it professional. Keeps it professional. Hey, listen, we need... Oh, speaking of keeping it professional, we can't thank you enough for listening to the show this week, folks. Now, if you like the show, give us a follow wherever you may listen to our podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, at KP and the Kid, and uh, tell a friend about us. Be a friend, and tell a friend. Simple as that, my friend. If you don't like the show, we apologize, and we'll try to get better. Always trying to get better. Just like Tom Brady. And speaking of Tom Brady, watch out later on for the first part in KP and the Kids' multi-part series on the football career of one Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. It's going to be a good one, folks. Take care.